good, baby. You know, life is good. I guess I gotta get these half masks, you know, try to get that as a new Halloween costume. Yo, There's queue up the 3D printers. It, the Phantom of the Opera thing is in chic in Westeros. Yeah, <laughs> all the rage. It's gonna be all the rage. Um lot to lot to unpack, lot to leave where it is. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of feelings about this show. You know me. I'm always going to come in from a showrunner perspective. I have, I have questions. Tings, bro. Tings. You have, t- you have tings. I think, well, let's do the spoiler warning, right? I mean, I don't know why you're listening to this episode if you haven't watched episode I mean, we're, eight. We're in episode eight of Hot D. So if you oh. haven't gotten the, the vibe that there's spoilers by now, <laughs> buyer beware. There are spoilers every episode. Um. What do, you, what do you want to tackle? I think we should do this chronologically. There's so much that you want. Whatever you want to do, but I'm going to tell you up front. I said out loud, if Viserys survives this episode, I'm done with the show. <laughs> I said, this is the first, I'm talking to myself. You know, I'm away from business. I'm in, I'm in my hotel room. And the first thing I say is, if Viserys survives this episode, I'm done with Hot D. I'm done. I'm with you. Someone texted me. You know, Viserys was predicted to die like episode one. There was a lot of foreshadowing, very heavy-handed. And look, he is still kicking. <laughs> look, I gotta tell you, I mean, for what it was worth, he fought the good fight. <laughs> okay. I mean, every single week he gets closer and closer to the Crypt Keeper. And I'm just like, dude, I, I don't understand how he's still alive with that shoddy medicine. Um, I gotta tell you. Well, well, you go. You, you go first, because because I got a lot of I got a lot of. I was say, you know what? The series, you know, like episode three or four, was asking, you know, Lionel Strong if he was a good king or not. I got to say, he had that dragon in him, because his body was not trying to live, and he said, "No, I got something to do." It is obviously, you know, we're human beings. All men must die. I am not facing death, but it was. He definitely used his last. He's a bad king. He couldn't step up to the moment. He couldn't do things. But it seemed like in his last moment, he was like, yeah. no, I can step up. I can still do things. It's moment, it's I want to say it's almost an inspirational story that like it's never too late to try to like do a good thing. But it kind of was like too little, too late, right? Dude. I mean uh, first of all, the whole like hero's return theme playing while he's like slithering his way to the Iron Throne. I'm like, this guy is the is our show's recurring biggest loser week to week. And he finally has a moment to stand tall and protect his daughter. And he does that. Okay. Um, and right when I'm about to call him this week's biggest winner, right? That he made good with his life's work and his mission. And finally, he has a chance to go off to the seven, right, or to the old gods or whatever they worship in Westeros these days. With all of, the, with all of his ledger in the black, right? He finally has a chance to do that. And what does he do? He spills the beans on the prophecy to the wrong person, high off milk of the poppy, and launches another war. I mean, even in his, even in his hour of victory, or... As Skip, ba- or excuse me, as Stephen A. Smith likes to say about the Dallas Cowboys, he stole defeat from the clutches of victory. 
<laughs> and that's why right when I was going to give him the winner of the week, he gets the loser of the week for me right away. I have two or three reactions to that. My first reaction watching this scene, you talk about your critical of the showrunners. My first thought was I had a flashback to being six years old watching Nick at Night. This is not I Love Lucy. This is, We cannot have important plot points on like miscommunication, like oh, hijinks. Like, what are we doing? This is not an episode of the Brady Bunch. All right. But my yeah. second line was Allison was pulling. She was trying to do whatever she wanted. Well, actually, late in the dinner, I was thinking, hmm. I can't tell if Allison's playing the game or is she accepting that maybe her children will not become monarchs. Well, because she's proven herself so treacherous, you really can't take anything she says to face value. Exactly. Even when you want to, you can't, right? So that's part of the issue. And I totally understand your point about wondering, okay, is she just playing the game? Uh, because R- Rhaenyra starts at first. And I got to tell you, you talk about throwing hands, Right no matter what, punching on her way down. Rhaenyra, who's been literally a day late and a dollar short this entire show over the last 25-some-odd 20, years. I don't even know the number, right? Here she gets a chance to, to bury the hatchet, as it were, and make peace with Allison. And guess what happens? Her father, drunk off and high off Milk of the Poppy, steals defeat from the clutches of victory and she gets set back again i will she is she is a fighter she is a survivor i'm curious how it's gonna go yeah i was you know we gave her some heat you know when she had these kids that obviously weren't lanor's but i gotta say between her you know plan last week to let lanor live and leave the game and then marry damon and then her her actions this week i think she's actually showing some of those good leadership skills i know i'm off tangent but I was just like, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. It's funny. I thought she was going to cop to having Lenore alive in that moment, talking with his uncle. Uh, I, but then I remembered, okay, that would totally ruin everything. And there'd be no point in her doing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that stuck out for me. Um, just I think- serious. God. I mean, he literally looked like the sloth character from Seven. Right. Oh gosh. I mean, he was ridiculous. That's a that's a deep cut. He was ridiculous, and I just keep thinking, like, man, you can't even die right. What a loser! This is actually kind of reminded me of a quote that's popped up a lot from the books that says, "Sorcery is a sword without a hilt. There's Mm -hmm. no self. There's no safe way to grasp it." Right. Right. And I just think everyone having these visions, it kind of we got episode one. His vision. It's kind of what resulted in his first wife, Queen Emma, dying, like pressuring for more and more kids. Not and now right. another vision, his him mistelling it to Alicent, right, is another ember yeah. of her being like, oh, well, Yeah, he's well. finishing the second half of this conversation he had. <laughs> 24 hours earlier? Punk off milk of the poppy. Wait, wait, all right. You know, I'm biased. As that milk of the poppy thing happened, was he being killed off in that moment? Or... Was it just like he forgot to take, like, or like he was just dying anyway? Look, I'm fully comfortable at this point. Whether he was murdered or killed, we the viewers are out of our misery. Ooh. I gotta tell you, you talk about party fouls, and I get the shock and awe thing. But when he took that mask off at dinner, I'm like, you're about to eat boar, <laughs> okay, and have some meat and mead. 
this is what you want to show the kids. I mean, I couldn't help but laugh. I'm thinking like, oh my God, Rhaenyra, like you're you're literally, Rhaenyra is literally torturing her children, making them see this freaking ghastly character, right? While he lies on his deathbed. It's like, oh, this is your grandson. Uh, you know, and they're just screaming. It's literally a Simpsons skit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's those kids were terrified. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Other thing that's terrifying for me, okay? They're clearly not in Texas. Because the amount of moon tea going around, <laughs> going around King's Landing, bro. Save some for the peasants. No. They, don't, they need it more. They don't have the financial resources you have in the bread keep. You know, I know we're not in superlatives yet. I just got to get this out. I got to get this off of my spirit right now. The winners of the episode, the winners of this week, right? Your maesters. I mean, between the moon tea and keeping Viserys alive for 25 some odd years, I got to tell you, they are literally like the, the, the beating heart of Westeros. Okay. You got to tip your maester. We, we need to learn that education system. The Citadel is blowing American colleges out the water. I'm just going to say it. Well, yeah, I mean, if nothing else, all things considered, they've mastered death, life and death, because they they'd be giving out moon tea, right? Um, that's how you know they're not in Texas. But uh, thing I would say is, it's it's amazing to me when I think about just how how naked and pervasive Alicent and her father's influence has been on Westeros, and. It is surprising that no one had gone to fetch King Viserys sooner. So when I think about loyalty and I think about the small council, it genuinely makes me wonder, like, how long has this been going on as far as Alicent being the queen regent? And and how long before somebody thought to, like, check for Viserys? Like, we didn't even really know if he was alive, all things considered, based on what we're looking at. So that stuck out for me. That stuck out for me. Oh, definitely. When when Allison's making those uncomfortable faces saying guests have arrived, I'm like, wait, are y'all about is this a weekend at Bernie situation with the series? I'm just what because like, we it took us a while to show it to us. I mean, honest, well, 100%. he had memories, but his face is so messed up too, and he's like such little memory. I don't, at first that could have been a body double, but then oh my so more God. some more knowledge was revealed. So I was like, all right, I guess it's not it's not that scenario. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And in, in the I gotta tell you the makeup crew for the show a1 bravo give them that daytime emmy bravo give, give them the daytime emmy as is befitting their station <laughs> <laughs> but I, I you know it's funny i'm going through this episode i'm sitting there i'm navigating and i'm just like dude i don't care and 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 let, let's let, matter of fact, let's just stay in the show because I have some commentary about the way the show is being made. So, what else, content-wise, as far as the show, did you want to cover? I got a mini joke. They say, you know, when when a Targaryen is born, the god flips the coin because you know they go between crazy and normal. My new one is no. When an Aegon is named, the gods flip a coin. Because first of all, there's so many Aegons, and then why is our Aegon? You know, I like the when he's a teenager going through a weird phase, and he looked he's like a bit of a stoner. But now it's like, oh, actually, you're just a predator, bro. I did, I did not, ex I did not expect this turn. First of all, 
there's nothing that was more prevalent than that jawline. Okay, he very much had the supervillain jawline. Um, didn't want to say he was an extra endomer, but it could have totally believed it if he, if he said it. Um, I'm glad because I wasn't sure if he was going to talk this episode too much. Mm. He does a lot of staring. A lot of staring for the, his character. But man, I got to tell you, I really thought that we would have seen more action out of him, but he has proven himself menacing. I mean, he totally ate that punch in the face, laughed, and just walked off. He said, nephews. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, nephews. What's up? What's up, nephew? <laughs> Mom, I'm just telling them how strong they are. Right. As strong as can be. <laughs> um, what did you think about... What did you think about like Sir Otto Hightower's clear naked ambition. I mean, it makes me wonder, I know Allison's going to look after her father, but it makes me wonder how long that nobody else is pretending to see it. I mean, I think at this point, people just, what's it, people like power? I think if you look at the small council, except for the guy, we got, we heard from, I think that was Lord Beesbury, who was speaking at the, giving the accounting and everyone's like, oh, hey, bro. First of all, it's actually, he was giving very important details and everyone treated him like he was an idiot. He was talking about like, now that the Stepstones are in the control, we have more shipping routes. We're getting more goods shipped here. We can have higher, we're getting more tax revenue and we can like spend it on wise stuff. You know, the godly people want to spend it on a bus. That's not important. But like, we have this extra tax revenue and they're like, thanks for the accountant update, bro. Let's move on to more important things. Uh, having more having more money in the kingdom is a very important thing for the small council to be discussing. Lord Beesbury, another red shirt for me. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just, just another red shirt for me. I, I I agree with you. I think he was needlessly dismissed for his very pragmatic approach to what's happening. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, like, give this man the respect he deserves. I don't know how many abacus he's used. I don't know the plural for him, but. Right. They got no TIs over there. He had to add that up by hand. That was no TI-83 action. Couldn't have been. So, Damon, I want more. I want more action from Damon. Um, I, and, and it looks like Damon and Eamon are going to have some heat because I noticed like Eamon stares everybody down except for Damon, and then he kind of looks away and slinks off. I, he looks at everyone like I can take him except for Damon. He's like, I don't know. This is. This is like the the boxing match I ever wanted Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather to fight for years, and they just kept avoiding each other because that was like the one fight where it's like, hmm, I don't know who would win. That, I think that's how that's how you look at it. He's the, he walks, you know, with the eye patch. He walks around. He's bad man on campus. Well, he is. I mean, I mean, Sir Christian Cole, you know, had trouble with the mace, you know, with him. So that's pretty interesting. Although it does make me wonder. To your point. How bad is he really? You know, do we get to see he and Damon have a have a sword fight or have some type of altercation? I I believe we're going there, and there's a point where Damon just genuinely has to look after his his uh, I guess stepchildren, right? I don't think he cares that much, but he cares about Rhaenyra, and Rhaenyra cares about the stepchildren. Here's I, I have some unanswerable questions. Okay. I know it's I know it was intentional by the directors, but I am curious 
Diana, did she, was she murdered? She, I know, I know, Allison gave her money for your troubles, and she hugged the other chambermaid, but it's not clear to me wh which way we went. Oh, my lady wife was like, "Oh, that's totally death tea." And I was like, "No, it's moon tea." She's like, "No, it's death tea." She's take she's getting that coin, that purse of coins back in ten seconds. Could be, and you like, know. Wow. And, and I was back and forth on it, but Allison just didn't strike me. I know she's grown up quite a bit, but killing an innocent person for getting raped by your son. I'm not totally convinced that she would make that decision that quickly. Now, I thought Allison was going to kill her, but I thought she would have been more discreet. The girl's going home for the evening. The girl gets, you know, the girl gets taken out of her bed or maybe she's sent to the wall. The idea that she would just kill her on the spot, I'm not totally sold on, which is why I'm curious if she's still alive. So that's an unanswerable question for me, number one. Unanswerable question number two. Okay, and, and this is where we really need to understand just the nature of this show, right? When are we going to learn these characters? It's like, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm slipping into my bag here, but we've now, we're now on our third or fourth set of characters with these time skips. And it's a busy show. They're working their way through the time to get to the climax, right? We have two episodes left, right? Two episodes of Runway left for this season. We know it's renewed for another season. But Beesbury, I've never heard of. Um, you don't recognize any of the kids. You know, it, it's interesting. It reminds me of the Brian Singer X-Men First Class series where the time skips are happening and yet everyone looks the same, right? The people that need to look the same look the same and the kids that didn't look the same look all grown up. And, and it just leaves you with this busy show that has totally removed how how the, the, the ability or capacity for casual viewers to participate in House of the Dragon. You know, I mean, we had the random scene toward the end of the episode tonight with... Damon's prostitute that he loves talking to some woman who it wasn't even clear who she was. And that was it. Busy day at the castle. Yep. And scene. And, and so it's almost for me, I'm almost at a point where I no longer care about these characters. Like I didn't care about the dragons in house of the dragon because they didn't really serve a purpose outside of just being funeral pyres, right? Uh, lighting funeral pyres and... One small interruption. The Vagar, when my man's claimed the Vagar as a dragon, that was a thrilling scene. That was that good was character work. Again, not sure how much that stuck with me, right? But that that's my point. And that's the issue that I'm having with the showrunners. They're moving so quickly to get to something. They're making it no longer be a casual experience. I mean, Allison forgetting the Kingsguard soldier's name, that's been me for eight weeks. Yeah, so, I was like, I was like, thank you. I'm not alone. <laughs> I yeah, now feel that's been me for eight weeks, you know? And, and I just I don't understand how slash why 
this is becoming so difficult for me to like stay with, right? It feels like no one's worth remembering. In like other shows, people do the thing where, oh, we're just gonna hire someone who's 30 and for a couple of episodes, give them like pink tails for no apparent reason to pretend they're younger for like yeah. the younger flashbacks. And it's always like, all right, you know, we gotta suspend belief, blah, blah, blah. But like, why do they do this? But watching this show, I'm like, you know what? It's probably easier for people to follow or to have emotional attachment with people if you have the same actors, actresses, you know, et cetera. That, that's a non-issue. That's not even, that's non-revelatory. And that's the reason why it's challenging for me to bond with these characters and the way the showrunners are looking for. Now, I appreciate the lead up and giving us the details, right? But to your point, as a viewer, it's just hard for me to bond with people. I don't know who they are. I mean, you can, go ahead. I'm sorry. And it's a lot of characters. You're looking at like, man, Rhaenyra, very fertile. Like she's had a lot of healthy children be born and she's pregnant with the six. Well, she's been, I mean, she's been getting after it since uh, she was at least 10 and four, right? Or maybe 10 and six, you know, or six and 10 or however they say it, right? So, yeah. so she's been getting after it. So even in theory of 15 years past, she's still very fertile and, and within baby bearing years. You know, but again, you, on these unanswerable questions about Damon's relationship to his children, right? It's just not clear, you know, and, and that's been an issue for me. And it's funny, you brought up other shows and how they're being developed. And I genuinely think that we're in a golden era of escapism right now. And these shows, House of the Dragon, Rings of Power, Andor... Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All these shows are really occupying the same space that sh shows about real things initially would have occupied, such so as like a SWAT show or a police show or a doctor show, right? And, I, and I'm sure the current world climate has something to do with it. But to bring it to my point, I think all these things happen concurrently has not helped House of the Dragon in terms of viewership or commitment to finishing the show. I mean, as I mentioned to you, I was, I've been ready for two weeks to just drop the show. You know, so I think that's been really interesting. I really enjoyed episode seven and eight. So I'm, I'm in, I'm invested. And as I said before, it's hard for me to make the judgments. I'm going to be wishy-washy. I'm going to be on the fence. I know the listeners want me to speak more strong and forcefully, but I, because I come in very invested in Game of Thrones yeah. and reading this story, obviously Fire and Blood is fleshing out the story more than what I've read. I come in with some emotional attachment. So I don't know what it is like for that viewer that doesn't have it. But I think also there's a reason why they chose this particular series. Game of HBO says even with the way Game of Thrones ended, they know there's people that still have an emotional cachet into the show, into the series, which I think was proven by episodes one and two ratings. Yeah. So they're going to give us this show. And I think there's like, right, we're going to do these time skips and give you the necessary background because we think at least half our audience has that emotion. We have that emotional cachet with them. Coming to this show, to this episode in particular, it seems to be un... Because even at the dinner table where you're trying to read, okay, what's happening? And like, oh, are we going to listen to the series and like be nice? But it's like, okay, guys, I think you guys have all both, everyone's realizing it. If one person is saying they're king, another person is saying they're queen, y'all both got dragons, y'all both are in Westeros, there's only one way to handle this. It, right. it gets settled one way. Right. So like in a couple of nice words at dinner, shouldn't be, and you're saying, oh, Allison would have murdered an innocent. And I look at it as, if she's going to crown Aegon, if she's saying my son's going to be king, that's declaring war? And you're saying you're going to kill hundreds, thousands. So it's kind of weird where everyone's pretending like, we're like doing this like whispering match 
mm-hmm. on something that's actually implicitly lots of violence. And maybe they think there's a way to avoid lots of violence, but like you're whispering around, like is, this is what wars are fought over in like medieval England, and <laughs> I'm the in, king of France and the Scots, right? Like in, in the about? film Troy, in the film <laughs> right. Troy, like this is how this yeah. is how like big wars that like destroy like generation a generation like kind of start. And it seems like we're going that way, and everyone's kind of acting like they don't realize that. No, I agree with you, and, and and I think it is it does seem like we're going that way. But man, oh man, I got to tell you, it is just so challenging for me to like, and I, and I'm not I'm not going to pack it in. I'm still here with it, but it's challenging for me to continue watching this show because I just it's things are moving so fast. And because they keep recasting people, I, it just feels like the showrunners are trying to make this something distinct. And I think in the process has alienated regular people. And when I say regular people, not in the sense of people that are not into fantasy culture, but rather people that aren't as feverishly interested in the details. What made Game of Thrones really special and again here we go comparing them what made game of thrones really special was that it was a show that had a fantasy backdrop but it took a while for fantasy to kick in you know you'd have a thing here and there but it just took a while for fantasy to kick in and that's important because essentially the show was marketable and interesting to people who don't follow fantasy and so you move to the other orientation and you look at House of the Dragon where it seems like this show was made to appease George R. R. Martin specifically, right? Which is fine, but then it's like for someone like, like me who doesn't really, I mean, I read the books, don't get me wrong, but I'm not deep in the appendices. You know, I'm not going to other events. It just makes it challenging to bond with the show, I think, in the way that that people bonded with Game of Thrones. Yeah. I think, speaking of bonds, this is my attempt at the transition. Let's get to Damon Valerian and the movie tries to make this episode. Okay. Isn't he taking a shot way too soon? Your brother, is it unclear if your brother's dead? I just think if his brother isn't dead and he succeeded, he created a tension in his household. He's now creating a, a civil war amongst the Valerians, basically. And that's before he got smoked. Yeah. Until, <laughs> and then he that, got that's, yeah. And that's before Damon just chopped his head off from behind. He like lost his cool. It was like, bro, you gotta, you know, you gotta learn to take your L's and like regroup for the next day. You can't scream in front of her father who hasn't shown up in court in six years that her, his grandchildren are bastards and that her, his daughter is a whore. What do you think's gonna happen? Well, not only that, too. I just would have liked to see him be more prepared. I mean, it is they established in the show that he and his brothers were very skilled combatants. Damon has a Damon has a Valyrian steel sword. Okay. There's no way you can tell me that sword made no noise coming out of its sheath. And him jockeying in position behind him to kill him would have gone unnoticed. 
again, in the weeds observation, but that's something that kind of bothered me too from a, from like a storytelling perspective. I mean, I know it was good for the audience, good shock and awe moment, but unfortunately the shows over the last few weeks has for me has been evolving into a shock and awe show, which is fine, except that's no longer the culture of the IP. We liked it because it wasn't a shock and awe show. It had shock and awe moments, but it wasn't a shock and awe show. It was a show about people speaking in rooms. I and think, so, good. I think, you know what I would have done if the show, I would have also filmed a scene if that became like a mini sword battle with then eventually Damon killing Damon and then seeing which one worked better. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't know if that would have worked better. I think it could have, but maybe the, maybe just the quick death, you can keep his head, you know, one liner that everyone's going to be quoting. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe that's the Marvel vacation of IP, right? We have to have the quick one liners like this episode of Buffy. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I do want to ask you, who's your winner of the episode then, if not the Macy's? I, until that last moment, I was going to say Rhaenyra. She, Rhaenyra. it's interesting that she didn't tell Queen Princess Rainey's that her actually is like, hey, hey, actually, I'm whispering to you because like your son's alive. Like, come on, we both know he didn't, he didn't like prefer women. So I gave him an out. He took his out. You should be happy. Because yeah. I think she'd actually be into it. She'd be like, oh, yeah, wait. She'd actually be into it. She like I think she like as a mother she'd be like yeah I knew that he you know this was too much and like at least one of my kids gets to avoid this pending mm -hmm. battle of whispers potential battle of actual fisticuffs oh yeah but she, but she did it and instead proposed a really good wedding match a really good betrothal boom she then convinced her dad who hadn't gotten up forever with her sword of Damocles like the heavy is the crown moment and he actually came and like spoke then. After her dad gave this like speech where everyone could was, it was definitely one of those. Am I moved or am I going to roll my eyes at this at this at this half faced guy saying we should all be friends? She then takes the moment like you know what, I'm apologizing and saying Allison, you're a good mother and honestly, I see how my dad looks and you actually had stood by him as he's like deteriorating. That was like a good move, even if you don't take it to be the truth. It's actually at least a good move to do in public. So she was stacking good moves on top of good moves, but then her dad kind of uncut her. Yeah, but the issue is, too, everybody sees through it. I mean, the old queen kind of saw through it as well, that she's just making moves, despite the fact that she's going to end up pinned or trapped. So that's part of it. But, you know, what? I think she's good. I mean, I mean, I, I, I like her. I, I Like you said, I've read the books. So I kind of know how this turns out. But I like her. And I would just feel better if she wasn't always make, doing her best business when it was already exposed that she's hurting. You know, that's something that's been that's something that's been a bother to me. Speaking speaking of the Maces being the winner, are we including the one Mesa trying to teach my man's high Valerian? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's that's tough work, but he seemed to have a lot of patience. He was just I'm gonna say it again and you know, we're gonna translate. I was like, okay. For those reasons, there's a reason number one oh four and one oh five why you've got to respect your Maester. Yeah. Even you just got to. <laughs> you know, they are the hardest working folks in Westeros, hundred percent. They got all the jobs. Maybe the the dragon lords on Dragonstone. Yeah, Damon surprisingly seems to be an easier boss. Here's some dragon eggs, bro. Thanks. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd love to learn more about them, those characters, the Dragon Keeper people, but I don't know. You know, there was not- definitely a way to start the show where you actually started with like a 14 year old and you got to see him hanging out at his house in like Flea Bottom somewhere. And then you yeah. see him start his first day. So then he's like one outside character you're following. And then you could actually get, you could actually hear more rumors of how the people on the street level are talking about like the Targaryens and whatnot. Yeah. And maybe this guy like becomes a dragon keeper. Maybe he like rises up to like a little bit of a knight. There's definitely a way you could have like played with that. There's, there's a lot of wiggle room, and they, they just really kind of abandoned it. And I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think there was plenty of space that they could tell more of an interesting story. And again, I think they've opted out for cheap frills. I got to tell you. But I'll say this. One, you know, Patty, who played King of Series, we talked about giving people an Emmy. Give him his Emmy. You know, he's okay. no one. He's not the, like, funny lines that Bobby B had. But talk about, you know, he's, I think this was his last episode. <laughs> That little tear at the end, I was like, okay, he's finally, okay, he, he did what he could. Okay, so this is we'll, it. We'll, we'll see. If he's we'll in the next episode at all, I'm done with the show. <laughs> Ain't no way. I mean, I don't know, but it's like he's got full-blown leprosy, full-blown swine flu, full-blown influenza. I mean, he's he's the whole alphabet. He's the whole alphabet. But let's, let's th- I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I know, I know it's never safe to assume. This is the last episode. For a one-season hitter, he like really did put on an acting tour de force, and I cared about him, even though he made mistakes every day. Every single, and that's why I couldn't care about him. He just kept stepping on the rake. He's like, "No, there's another one. Just, just walk around the rake." And he then he stepped on it. Stepping on the rake. He's exhausting. He's exhausting. Yeah. Damon, that guy's been the same actor, and I yeah. actually really even invested in him. So, I speak into what you're saying. Right. You know, Emma Darcy, who's the second Rhaenyra. I'm down yeah. with her. I still actually love Young Rhaenyra so much, but I'm down. I'm down with her. And I older Allison, I like. I I don't want to put actors against each other. It's like a tough thing to step into. I'm not trying to put hate, but yes, I'm emotionally invested in Young Rhaenyra as well. I hope bring her back as a different character in season two. Who cares? And then I think older Allison is also doing some good acting, and I'm like, she's like, and you know, you know, boink me, but she does have a campaign with you know Fenty. <laughs> and the, the Savage Fenty campaign, you know, and I think she's also doing a solid acting job. So those are like, did I name four actors that I think I'm like, I'm invested in their characters. They're doing pretty good jobs. The kids, I like really want to be in, like they just keep every, I think at least with the kids, you definitely could have just hired someone else 20 and make them look up like 12 years old for like two episodes and then let them be 20. Cause like, I'm just like, you guys change all the time. I actually don't know who's who at this point. You mean you want a better wig? <laughs> That's I true. Thought about, I thought about you while the two princesses were talking. I'm like, Stanford's wig game observation is completely on point. It's completely on point. I think they're leading into it. I think they say, okay, every episode we have to have a worse wig. Yeah. They're scouring the internet. <laughs> they're going to that Halloween store because it's yeah. the year to go. Party City. Actually, that should be the scene between season one and two. It's like, all right, give us your best <laughs> Valerian dreadlocks wig. And we'll pick the winner to to style the show for an episode. Because they literally never change the hairstyle. So it's like a cap. It's just like, <laughs> it's like, it's like one yeah. of the caps. That's crazy, man. Um, and then, so I had another thought thinking about this episode too. Sure. With the I Love Lucy moment at the end. This series is really, really, it wasn't just like one episode. They're really yeah. relying on the Aegon. I guess they're saying it's Aegon's dream. Right. And okay, so Aegon's not only the conqueror, who's also a dreamer. 
So he's a Dragon yeah. Rider and a Dreamer. He's the great. He really might be the best Targaryen ever. You know, Jon Snow, well, get out the way. We we know he is because Jon Snow didn't do anything. He just went north to be with his wolf. Hey, he took out the. You know, he he had to take out the the last the last female Targaryen. Really. The last Targaryen. But oh yeah, yeah, last female Targaryen. Yeah. I'll, but like the role the prophecy is playing in. It seems to be a pretty big role into this story. And I know you like really didn't like that in episode one. Has, has it grown on you? Or are you yeah. like, is it worse or is it still like in the middle? It's, as I mentioned to you before, they've totally ruined the ability to casually enjoy this show. And with so much other content in the fantasy space that is kind of soaking up the proverbial gravy of our TV watching experience in kind of getting away from the real world and, you know, Russian nuclear threats and other things to just take me deep into Middle Earth or deep into Westeros. I, I thought it was gratuitous in the beginning of the season, and that hasn't changed for me. I, I, of- to you, I, I think these shows running concurrently has hurt them all. Speaking of Russian nuclear threat, do you think in Westeros they do like dragon drills? Like, all right, kids, get under your hide into your desk. Are you in the field? And it's like they play dragon. It's like, oh, oh, the dragon's looking for a sheep, and they see a little kid. Everyone run, and like one person's the dragon, and it's like, am I going to eat a sheep or eat a kid? I, I, they totally play that game, right? One person kicks the sheep over and runs. Yeah, yeah, no, th- that's a that's a big piece of it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I go through these waves where I really enjoy the show, and then I go through waves where I really just don't. You know, I really don't for the reasons I described. I, I think there are ways where I find it completely, completely wayward in how they want to tell their story, and because they're wayward and trying a lot of different things, as a viewer, you end up getting whiplash because you're like, okay, well, who's this person? You know, I've always said a show that you got to stop and Google the answers to. Or have to listen to the post-credit scene to get the answers to, is not being a story that's being told right. Okay, this is unavoidable. How do you feel about all these different those Targaryen, Amon, Daemon, Daemon? It is hard we to. Have, these are the names have, of the stories, and it's just so hard to. It's like man, these are a lot had of very names. We had a conversation about this earlier on that there was a continents problem that there are too many continents that are similar in the names of these characters. You know, continents and wigs. You take your pick. I'll let you pick which one is more upsetting. Yeah, they should, you know, they should just lead to calling Aemon One-Eye, you know? Like the One-Eyed Dragon Knight or something. So just so, like, you don't have to say his name and it's, like, easier to follow. Like, Vaemon, did they, I think we could have changed Vaemon's name. You know, I think we could have just made it something like, you know, he could be Victor. Let's <laughs> <laughs> make nobody here for folks. Victor, yeah. Maybe I'm sort of trying to take notes, and I like I look up again, like, who, which, which, which name was that exactly? And and that's to me, that's the issue. I don't want to have to do that every episode. That's exactly my issue. I don't know, man. I actually, um, I have a meeting with California in a couple minutes, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. But I do, I do want to get your predictions for next week. Okay. Prediction for next week, I think yeah. I think we're gonna start exploring other houses because I think the series this is his death. So I think we're starting, we're gonna be sending, we're gonna be like, all right, call the banners. 
Call the ban. Have you been saying call the banners before? I feel like that's been coming up for you. I, it probably hasn't called me up. I've said it before. <laughs> Every prediction is call the banners. Call the locksmith. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I, I, I don't think we'll go right for the banners, but I do think we're going to walk into like the memorial service. The question is, I will take cash bets on which dragon is going to light his funeral pyre. Ooh. Wait, wait. I think. So I think I think Aegon, his dragon's yeah. name is Sunfire. Yes, Sunfire. And then we have Vagar, you know, my one-eyed, my one-eyed Chad. That's his dragon. Yes. So I'll go, I would go, I think I'm gonna go. And what are the other dragons that are near? I think those are the closest dragons to King's Landing. Oh no, yeah. Elena also maybe has one. Aegon's wife might have one. That's the thing. There's more dragons than I think we're seeing. I think it's just yeah. more we're not involving. The story's not evolving to a point where we could show that. I'm gonna go Aegon just because like that's symbolic of like he's taking the throne. So I okay. think that'd be the. I'm gonna go with his dragon, Sunfire. What do you, do you have a different guess? I like Damon's dragon. I don't remember the mm, dragon, but, yeah. but I like Damon's dragon in this. I do. Okay. That's probably more appropriate. Let the brother, you know, say goodbye. His last goodbye. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, yeah, brother, I got to tell you, this has been great. House of the Dragon. Okay. House of the Dragon. We'll see. Two, with, two, with basically two hours left, I'm genuinely curious to see how they're going to unfold and tell the rest of the story, man. I'm, I'm excited as well. I'm really I'm excited to come and pop you afterwards. Listen, we are in there like swimwear, sir. That is a non-issue. There you go. <laughs> so, so absolutely. But uh, Stanford, man, this has been great. Love connecting with you as always. Uh, have you got any questions for our – no questions from our listeners? No, nothing burning we need to address? I don't, I don't think so. I'll, I'll okay. double check and see, make yeah, sure. Double but... check and we'll make sure we lead off with that next episode. But uh, good brother, good to see you as always. I tell you, no custom T-shirt today. I'm just, I'm insulted. I know, I know. Next time, next time. I'm, you know, I'm saving the next custom T-shirt for episode ten. Maybe episode ten, I'll wear my Halloween costume, which might oh, be, wait, 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 might well, be, might be hot well, D inspired. I was gonna say, don't, uh, don't, don't spoil it, but uh, definitely get into that Halloween costume for episode ten. That's gonna be fun. Maybe I'll wear one as well. Nice, nice. All right, brother. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. See you.